Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you'll be uplifted, empowered and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ram Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. love hearing God movement. We get to be a part of this. I'm so thankful. The other day I was um, just, it was a couple days ago, the girls had like a uh, concert at St. Anne's and City Center. So we were walking around City Center and I just was looking at all the people of Manchester and I just felt so grateful to get to be here in this city with you guys doing the work of the Lord. And there's just no place that we would rather be than right where God has assigned us. And it's such a joy uh, to be a laborer in this field. And I know many of you have come from maybe different uh, nations and you've, you've kind of transitioned into Manchester and then maybe some of you have been born and raised here. And I just want to acknowledge that, um, wow, what a privilege to be sent. No matter how you got here, you've been sent here. And uh, to be here, to reach these people, to pray for these people, it's just a joy, isn't it? It's a joy. And um, I just felt like I was walking the city and my heart was having a love burst. And I thought, oh, Lord, thank you for calling us. Thank you for calling us here. Um, I feel torn because my mind is in like a few different directions, so I apologize in advance and I wholly lean on the help of Holy Spirit right now. But I felt like I just wanted to take a little risk and share a little bit of the back end. You just heard James's story, right? You did hear James's testimony, right, about miraculous provision, $10,000. Well, the back end to that is I'm on the phone with Becky and she's talking, you know, about these needs that they have. And I feel the burden of the Lord about these needs. And I also feel angry that they have these needs. I'm like, these are men and women of God. And their, their roof is caving in and their boiler doesn't work. And I just feel like this is one of those Hebrews 11, like the world is not worthy of these people. Like, come on, like, let's get to the other side. But this is not right. So I'm carrying the Lord in prayer. I'm carrying this in prayer with Becky. And I'm carrying it with Joe as well in prayer. And finally, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to see what I can do. So I, I call somebody that I know and I'm like, listen, this is the scenario. Here's how much I can give. What can you do? And they said, we'll pay the whole thing. (laughs) And then, okay, so then we're in prayer a couple, a couple Tuesday nights ago. This was probably several months ago, right after Mike and Delena. We were praying for all of Ramp Church. We were praying for provision. So I released this little story and we get on this riff in prayer of, I know a man. And it, we basically are just praying, you know what it's like to, like prayer is kind of like surfing, right? You paddle, 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 and then occasionally get to ride a wave. So we start riding this wave in prayer of some of us, we know people who can meet needs. And our job is to connect the miracle to the person in need. So we start praying over the woods' need for a car. And we just start declaring and prophesying, I know a man. Come on, somebody's got this. Who knows the man? We're looking at each other. Do you know the man? Do you know the man? Who knows the man who's going to provide this? Well, just recently, somebody gives Mike and Delena a call, a call and says, what do you need? I know a man. And somebody in a different nation provides for them a, a vehicle for their family. Isn't that incredible? Now, before you start moaning about how you've not met that man and you don't know that man and who's going to call you, before we start getting into that, I just want you to stay in faith 
God wants to work miracles through you. And if you're not the person funding it, maybe you're the person in prayer bearing that burden, you know, releasing, or maybe you are, maybe you have provision. And God wants to sharpen your hearing. And that's, I often pray for you, Ramp Church, that, and I pray this for myself, that I am not spiritually dull. And Paul rebukes, and the author of Hebrews rebukes their audience because they're spiritually dull. But you know, when it's, you know what it's like to be in the natural around somebody who has a high EQ? They can read the nonverbal cues and versus somebody who's like just completely unaware. They're unaware of the needs. They're unaware of you. They're not picking up on the social cues. I just pray, Lord, I don't want to be that in the spirit. I want Ramp Church to be alert, and I want us to be sharp in the spirit so we can perceive how God wants to get through us and that God doesn't have to like beat us over the head with an angelic visitation, although that's wonderful, and hey, I'm down for that, but he can just whisper. He can just give us a glance. We can just see somebody, and we're so clear in, we're so in tune to the Holy Spirit that we can meet needs and we can be conduits of his will being released on the earth. So some of you, all of us, all of us, every single one of us has a part to play in releasing miracles. Every single one of us, financial miracles, healing, all of the supernatural life, we're all called to that. We are all called to that. And I want us to just live in that place of being alert so we're responsive and we can step out in faith and see the supernatural released in our community. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's turn to Matthew 1. And I'm going to just briefly share a quick little word uh, to help direct focus for Christmas. You know in a ballet where they start spinning? How many of you have done ballet? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you did it, but you were terrible? Keep your hand raised. I did it. It was hilarious. My whole family still laughs about it, actually. So when you're doing those, you know, spins, right, they say to find your focus point. And you've got to spin, and you're spinning, 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 but you're supposed to keep your focus on one point so that you don't collapse and look like an idiot. So I feel like probably in, I don't know about you personally, but in my world, I feel like there's a lot spinning here. There's a lot going on in my personal life right now. There's a lot of glorious things. But I really want to be focused on what matters. And I often pray that prayer for you in Philippians 1, where Paul is saying he's just praying that we understand what matters most. And this Christmas season, I want to set before us some focus points. And maybe there will just be one that, that gets your attention that you need to grab hold of. But find a focal point this holiday season. Find a focus point. Where is your, where is your attention? Where are you pulling your thoughts to? And I want to give three things that I've been pondering in light of the Christmas story. So let's go to Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the, to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. As I've been uh, meditating on this scripture before I get into the focus points, I've just been thinking about Joseph and the man of integrity and character that he was. And I've actually been praying for um, the men and for more men like Joseph who are righteous is what it says in another translation, devoted to the ways and the will and the word of God, willing to take really huge risk to walk in God's ways, to respond to him, this angelic visitation. I mean, for him to continue in his relationship with Mary, that was a big ordeal. In their culture, in their time, it was a big risk. So men of God, one of the things I, I want you to, to, to get inspired from is the life of Joseph. There's not a whole lot in the word about him other than he was just devout and righteous. Like consistently doing the things God wanted the way God wanted. And then when he gets a word, he simply obeyed. As, it's, it makes me think of something Micah preached last Sunday night about being just, the, the, we would think that these radical things for God, but really it comes down to these consistent lives of showing up, doing things God's will. So Lord, raise up more Josephs. And all the single women said, amen. <laughs> what, are y'all awake out there? Come on now. Okay. So anyway, three points uh, for focusing. One of my favorite highlights of the whole Christmas story is God fulfills his word. If there's just one big, like big, like in the neons, flashing lights message that we get, as believers, it's God fulfills his word. Down to the location of Jesus' birth, to the Virgin Mary, to all these prophecies fulfilled in this moment. And they had been waiting for so long for these things to happen. And it happened. This morning when we were in prayer and I was reminded of the things that God has said over this nation that brought Joe and I and other people here, it just so built my faith, this story of Jesus coming, born in a manger, conceived by a virgin and the Holy Spirit, all these reminders, everything God said, he will do. Everything he said, he will do. And if there's one focal point that I want, I want to focus on the miracle, not just of the virgin birth and even the huge, most beautiful miracle of him saving us from our sin. It's he said he would save us and he did save us. He did what he said he would do. He redeemed us. He came for us to rescue us, to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He prophesied it long time ago, and in this moment in history, it was there. They were holding and beholding the Son of God. And there are promises that we have as a corporate body 
There's promises over your life. Promises here. We have the down payment, the promise, the deposit of salvation, of healing, of deliverance, eternal abundant life, power, resurrection power in us. And all of these promises, they shout to us through the Christmas story. This is possible and he's going to do it. It's easy for him. It's easy for God. I mean, has there ever been, I mean, just the virgin birth, right? It's like if we really ponder, we could ponder that the rest of our lives and still be in awe, just that one fact that God did that. He prophesied it, and it was absurd when they prophesied it. They didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, what is that going to happen? And then it happened. And there are things over your life that you think right now it's impossible, and then it's going to happen because God fulfills his word. I love what it says in uh, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? He has spoken, will he not fulfill it? It's one thing to have the competency and the capability to fulfill the word of God. But for me, it's not even, it's like there's the power element, but then it's just the fact that he doesn't change his mind. Like, how many times do I change my mind about anything that I decide, right? I decide and then I don't. But he, he is mind made up about his word. He doesn't waver in it. He will do what he said. There's a, there's a description of Jesus in Revelation 19. And it's one of my most favorite descriptions of Jesus. And it talks about him riding on the white horse. And the rider's name is Faithful and True. Faithful and True. And sometimes I just love in my own prayer time to just get in the presence of God and just meditate on that and just shout out in the atmosphere in this city, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you're coming again. I believe that you're faithful to your word. I believe that you save, heal, and deliver. I believe that you provide for every one of your needs. I believe it. And this is why you are here, Isaiah. It says, Isaiah prophesies, what's the purpose of the people of God? And the Lord shouts and he says, it's I've chosen you to be a witness. I've chosen you to know me and believe in me and be a witness for me. And you are these witnesses that God is faithful and true and he will do everything that he said. And when other people are wavering, they can look at you. And I know you feel like you waver, but as a son and daughter of God, there's a stability that you have in the place of faith and believing that's a testimony to the world around you. He will do what he said. God is faithful to his word. Now, let me get this specific. If you're focusing on the fact that God is faithful to his word, what word are you believing for? What promise in this book are you contending for? If I walked up to you and I said, what do you believe in God for this month? What do you believe in God for in your lifetime? Can you answer it? Because faith is specific. Faith knows what it's asking for. That's why faith is risky right? It's not this vague. It's like, no, I'm believing for a move of God. I'm believing for Andrew Murray, who wrote loads on prayer. He says, faith and prayer are Siamese twins. If one, weak, if one is weak, the other is weak. Faith sees. Faith speaks. Faith can see the unseen. Faith can describe it. What are we believing for? 
We are believing for an outpouring of God's spirit. We are believing for manifestations of God's presence and power that bring people out of darkness into his light. We're believing every church is full, every youth group full, every altar full with people repenting and turning to God. We believe for more laborers to be sent from this place so that 4.6 billion people who don't know him can hear about him through our lives, through our resources, through our obedience. These are the things we're believing for. And this is why I love it when Emma is leading worship because she's shaking us out this religion thing where we think God exists for us. And it's just about us. And we call ourselves higher to the promises of God that include us, but they also are so much vast, so much more vast than us. So we have faith to believe for God to do what only he can do. And for our outreach teams and our youth teams and all I was praying for, all our volunteers. I was thinking about our outreach teams, our youth, our children's ministry, our our prayer workers, our prayer ministry, our our pastors and our teachers and our community groups. And what I I pray when when I think of all of you is I pray for an increased manifestation of his presence. Because God is always with us, but when he manifests himself, people, people understand that he is with us. People comprehend, they experience that he is with us. And so when we pray for people, we don't just pray in faith. We want to pray for his power to manifest, for his love to manifest, for the word of God to manifest, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to manifest Jesus through our lives. And all of these avenues, the prayer, the outreach, the youth, the children's, the tear, tear down, the setup, all of this that we do, it's acts of faith that we believe he's coming. It's acts of faith that we believe he wants to reveal himself to us and these people. This is why we are here. He has a plan that includes you. And that plan is activated by faith believing what he has said. So faithful to his word. And then just the simplicity of God being near. When I was about 12 or 13 years old, I read a book called Practicing the Presence of God by Frank Labak. And he talks about how he devoted his life to this experiment of just being aware of the presence of God. So I got wrecked by this book. So I went to school with my own little experiment. I'm going to see how often I can think about God throughout school. And I, it was actually so refreshing because how many of you, you just found school so, you know, dull <laughs> and draining? And it was like, you, you know, you're trying to learn, but when you're in school, why is it that when you're in school, you don't get that it's about learning? You think it's about all these other things, you know, you miss the point. So I was just going deep in God. I, I can remember one time, you know, I would write notes, I'd have visions, I'd, of, of, we did this little prayer meeting in my lunchroom, you know, lunch break, we'd call together people to pray, and um, just really believing for God to do great things. But this, this whole concept of God filling my mind, it wrecked me. It's like pulling my thoughts to God brought me to heights of peace, heights of joy, depths of purpose that was so life-giving and refreshing. It's just, it's not some sort of mind trick. It's just accessing the power of the Holy Spirit that's already there by putting your attention towards him, being aware of him. It's not some weird kind of mystical new age thing. No, it's the Holy Spirit in you and you acknowledging him. So God is near. That sobers us up and it gives us hope no matter where we find ourselves. 
God is near. There's this verse in Philippians 4, and it's like this this incredible, you know, the, the phrase before it says, let your gentleness be evident to everybody. You know, and I read that, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's true of me. And then it says, the next phrase is, the Lord is near. And it's this conviction of like, God is near, like live the way he wants you to live. And this reassurance and this comfort's like, it's okay, honey, he's near. (laughs) He can help. It's both convicting and it's full of comfort to know that God is near. He's near you and he sees it all. He's always present. This is why this revelation has to be central to us because we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And we will grieve him if we are not aware of him, if we are not acknowledging him. So God is near. In Acts 17, 26 through 27, this is quoting Paul. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. On that truth right there, he is not far from each one of us. Some of you in this room, you feel far from God. You feel far from him, but that doesn't mean he's far. You can feel distant, but that doesn't mean he's distant. You can feel like you'll never actually walk in the fullness of everything that he has for you, but he's there in you, equipping you to do just that. There's so much hope in that. The last thing, so God is faithful to his word. God is near to us. And my prayer is that this, this month you have an increased awareness of his nearness. And that's not going to come from some outward mystical experience. That's going to come from you taking your thoughts captive and choosing to focus on him. And then God works miracles. God working miracles. Elizabeth, who was barren her whole life, conceiving John the Baptist. Mary, who was a virgin, conceiving the Son of God. All these miracles that take place. Joseph receiving these angelic visitations in the night that instruct his family and save their lives. These supernatural activities. I love the way that this Christmas story is is just so packed full of the supernatural invading the natural realm. It's such a reminder to me that this is the life that I'm called to live. I remember like, I remember when I was um, a new mom and all the girls were really little and I was just, you know, diapers and, and, and just trying to like get my head around that whole new world. And I remember feeling like, like this just feels so like God, I mean, I love my kids. I love my kids with all my heart, but God, where are you? <laughs> where are you? I'm probably going to die of lack of sleep. And I don't know if that'll be a first in history, if I'll be the first one. And then change all these things. And it was like God just showed up in my quiet time and showed me how every aspect of my life is meant to be supernatural. That there's not an area of my life that I shouldn't have faith for the supernatural power of God to be at work. And I remember then when we were in Scotland, I remember like the whole plan fell apart while we were in Scotland. And so I went from, we went from, you know, the the idea of of helping launch this Bible school to now I was like assisting in finance. And I'm, if you know me, that's a hilarious thought. (laughs) So I was, you know, I was faithful. I was glad to be there. I knew God was working. I didn't know what he was doing, but I knew he was there. And so finally I just started. I remember one day I went to the office 
And I was going to do, you know, like the data entry and stuff. And I would try to, you know, count. They had this shop. It was, you know, it was bad. The whole finance thing was bad. But I just, I came up and I came dressed like in high heels and in like a preaching outfit. And I came and I just remind myself, you know what? Praise God, I get to do finance today. But thank God everybody's thanking God. Stacy's not going to be finance forever. <laughs> Come on, you got to prophesy to yourself sometimes what God has showed to you, what he's revealed to you, what he's shown to you. And believe that he's so near and he can work miracles. He's going to make his word come to pass. And I'm so thankful for all the, the story, the journey, the highs and the lows. It's just incredible what God does in our lives. The beautiful tapestry that he weaves, isn't it? So God is near. So God is faithful. What are you believing for? What miracles are you believing for? There's not a day in my life here since I was you know, I can't, maybe going back to when I was 12 or 13, that I have not been actively believing for miracles. And I don't mean that to sound like super spiritual. I mean, I live in a place, the just shall live by faith. I live in a place of obedience where miracles are required. I live in a place of following Jesus where if I don't have miracles and like pack it up and go home, why am I here? And that's the life for all of us. God works wonders. God works miracles. What miracles are you believing for? I could list 10 right now. Off the, I could just tell you the miracles I'm believing for. And I'm not talking about some abstract. I mean like in my prayer time, Joe and I believing for these miracles. And I'm not just talking about wishful hoping. I'm like, we put our eggs in that basket. God said it. We believe it. He's going to do it. Not just some kind of, oh, yeah, let's, let's believe in miracles because that's so cute and that sounds so good. And, no, I'm talking about, like, sometimes when things don't happen the way I think. I'm talking about the risky type of faith where, like, you feel it. Like, you're shedding tears. You are agonizing in desperation for the manifestation of the will of God. It's not like some optional thing for you to believe. What are you believing for? Who have you struggled in prayer for? What kind of, what kind, are your emotions always wrapped up in your own stuff? Or do you cry about other people's needs? Do you feel the burden of the Lord in areas beyond yourself? Because that's where God loves to show up. In his big glorious kingdom purposes. God works miracles. So just wrapping it up because I really want to land on this last thing about Christmas. So in response, I want you to make sure that you are seeking the Lord. You seek God. Like the other night I was in bed and I was feeling so anxious about something. And so I was going, you know, to just kind of like start talking to my spouse, Joe, there. And I felt a click, I, I felt a check in my spirit. How many of you, does anybody relate to this? Where the Holy Spirit just kindly saves you from really long conversation and just says, Joe can't help you with that, Stacy. <laughs> and Joe gives God praise, and he prays for more of those little whispers that I hear. <laughs> Some of us, we, we default, we look for relief in the wrong places. Seek God. Like you seek God. Where are you called? What are you called to do? The assurance, the approval, the affirmation that you need, the peace that you need about the place that you're assigned. Seek God. Your spouse doesn't know. Trust me. Been trying for 16 years to tell, tell me, tell me, what do you see? What do you got here? No, you've got to hear from God about your life. Because even if Joe says it, it still doesn't give me peace. Peace comes when I hear it from him. And a person can give me a prophetic word, but the real peace clicks in when I hear it from him. 
when I hear it from him, seek him. You seek him. And we know, I'm gonna, for time's sake, I'm not going to go into all the promises. Just do a word study this week. Put in the word seek, BibleGateway.com. I bless you with that in Jesus' name. Believe what he says. John 20, verse 29. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Oh, isn't that beautiful? That's us. We're blessed. We didn't see the risen Lord. We didn't touch his nail-scarred hands, but we believe in him. And there's a blessing for us because we believe in him. Jesus performed, this is a John 20, verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching online, if you've never made that confession, Jesus is Lord, and you've never just made that step closer of just saying, Jesus, I believe in you, that you are the Son of God, that you are the risen Lord, today's a day of salvation for you. Come on, it's not, you're, maybe you're thinking something epic has to happen, some kind of huge experiential uh, rush has to hit you. Sometimes God works in a thousand different ways. He works in everybody's life uniquely and differently, but it's, it all comes down to stake, taking that step of faith, saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I don't know everything about you yet. I have lots of questions, but I believe in you. So we believe in him and then we recognize his glory. I want us to recognize his glory. When I think about the Christmas story, and I think about even my life this past year and life here on earth in general, I think about the, the, the um, combination of glory and suffering. For example, in the Christmas story, you have the virgin birth of Jesus, but then you also have Herod killing all these newborn sons. And that picture is such a picture of our lives here on earth. You have manifestations of promise. Jesus, the son of God, is entering the world. And then you have Herod who's killing all these babies. And in, um, in Jeremiah it says a voice of weeping is heard. Rachel weeping for his children. So our lives are about holding both the suffering of Christ, the hardship, the trial, and recognizing the glory Seeing the glory and the goodness of God in the midst of the suffering. And when I woke up this morning, I was, I was just really praying for some of you who are in a test of faith. And your faith is being tested. And I just want you to find fresh focus from the story of Christmas and what Jesus has, did, what Jesus has done in coming, dwelling among us, the miracles that he worked so that your faith is strengthened. It is normal for your faith to be tested. It is normal for trial and sorrow. It's supernatural to see glory in the midst of it, to see the goodness of God in the midst of suffering, to recognize the glory of God in the midst of Roman oppression, to recognize the mystery and the beauty of what God is doing in the here and now, and that's the life that you're called to live. Let's stand to our feet. I want to call our prayer teams.